Amen. Our scripture this morning comes from 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 12 through 14. And then I'll be jumping over to 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 6 through 11. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that is taking place among you to test you, as though something strange was happening to you. But rejoice in so far as you are sharing Christ's sufferings, so that you may also be glad and shout for joy when his glory is revealed. If you are reviled for the name of Christ, you are blessed, because the spirit of glory, which is the spirit of God, is resting on you. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that he may exalt you in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him, because he cares for you. Discipline yourselves. Keep alert. Like a roaring lion, your adversary, the devil, prowls around, looking for someone to devour. Resist him, steadfast in your faith, for you know that your brothers and sisters in all the world are undergoing the same kind of suffering. And after you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, support, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. Word of God for us this morning. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you. I thank you for your word. I thank you for being able to just praise your name in your house, Lord. It's so good to worship in your house. We thank you, O oh Lord, for the opportunity to share this word. And we ask, O oh Lord, that you'll open our understanding to receive it, that you'll help us to learn from it so that we might be able to follow Jesus more closely in our lives. We just pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Right now, if you ask students, they're either in the middle of tests or just finished with them, right? This is that time of the year where finals take place. And during this week, you'll see people trying to cram for that final test, right? They're trying to get all the stuff that they missed throughout the whole year in a day or two into their brains. Every student knows to expect finals, right? No student goes, comes to May and goes, wow, I don't know where that test came from. They've been knowing about this for a long time. How many of us heard in, in class when the teacher said things like, this will be on the test. Write it down, jot it down, put it in your notebook, put it in your notes. This is going to be on the test. You know, the really good teachers tell you that everything's going to be on the test. Because then you have to write everything down because you, you don't know what's going to make it to the final test. All along, teachers are preparing the students for the final test. They're trying to make sure that the students know that they need to pay attention, that they need to take notes, that they need to learn through their experience every single day, through the homework assignments, through the projects, through all of the things that they do, the goal is singular. Help them to learn things they didn't know before and help them to grow in that knowledge. The foreknowledge of the test means that we know it's coming, so we might as well get ready for it. 
We know it's coming, so we might as well prepare for it. And the people that are really good test takers have learned to take notes early rather than late, to, to get ready for the test little bit at a time as they're getting ready to arrive at that day rather than waiting for the night before like a lot of us did in college to pull an all, all-nighter and stay up all night trying to get it all in. In our scripture today, Paul is writing to the believers and he's telling them that as Christians, we should expect to be tested. In other words, no Christian should go, boy, I wonder why I'm going through difficult times. It shouldn't be a surprise to any of us that we are going to be tested in this life. It shouldn't be strange for us to go through difficulties. In fact, he's basically saying we should expect it. We should expect to be tried and to be tested. And it makes sense. The closer we get to God in our relationship, the more the enemy will be after us to try to knock us off track. You know... He doesn't have to go after the people that are already out there and lost and doing whatever. He goes after the people that are trying to get right with God, that are trying to confess their sins and be redeemed from them, the people that are trying to follow Jesus, the people that are trying to follow the Word of God. And so 1 Peter tells us that we should expect fiery ordeals. And, you know, that's pretty strong language. Fire was used to purify things. And so when you wanted to purify metal, you had to put it through fire and burn out all the impurities in order to come up with the refined product. And in many ways, what Peter, verse Peter is trying to tell us is that we are going to be tested because there are things in our lives that need to be burned out. There are things in our lives that need to be removed and it only comes out through a period of testing. This is how we grow in Christ. This is how we continue to develop our faith. This is how we continue to learn more about what it means to follow Jesus. First Peter even tells us that we should rejoice in sharing in the suffering of Christ. Because it means that we will also join him in the glad shouts of joy when his glory is revealed. Now, most of us know this. You don't get to graduate until you pass the test. <laughs> you know, if you don't pass certain tests, you don't graduate at the end of the year, right? And if you don't pass now the milestone test, they don't even let you move to the next grade, right? And as Christians, we go through tests and ordeals in our lives, and we have to go through them in order to experience the joy on the other side, in order to be able to receive the recompense that Jesus has prepared for us. And if we undergo that testing, we know that there's a reason for it, that there's a purpose, that there's a plan. Now, we don't always understand that in the middle of the test, but we know that God does not spare any experience, but he uses all for our good. So let's make sure that if we are being tested, it is for the right reasons. That if we are being tested is because we are following Jesus, because we are trying to be righteous, because we are standing up for the name of Jesus. 
The scripture tells us basically that when we're doing that, the Spirit of God is resting in us and on us. That means that God is with us through the testing. But how do we prepare for testing? How do we prepare ourselves for such a test? Well, most of us know the concept of cliff notes. Anybody not know what cliff notes are? Cliff notes back in the day were little summaries of material, often books that you had to read. You had to read so many books during the semester that they came up with these little cliff notes so that you could read those and get the gist and the idea and the concept of what was going on in the book so that you could pass the test. It gave you some understanding of the material, not all of it, but enough to be able to manage. And so in our scripture today, in 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 6 through 11, what we're basically getting is the cliff notes of how to prepare for the Christian trial and ordeal. So I want to go through some of the things that, that it says. It says, first of all, if you're going to prepare for this testing, you need to humble yourself before the mighty hand of God. Just a verse earlier, it says that God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. You know, the beginning point of us passing the test as Christians is recognizing that we can't do it by ourselves. Recognizing that only with the help of God can we pass the test. And that we don't have to do it by ourselves. That we can do it with his help. God doesn't like people that think that they're self-sufficient and they can figure everything out by themselves. Those are the proud. The people that think that they don't need anybody else in order to be saved. He likes those who are humble enough to admit that we're all sinners, that we all need a Savior, and that we all have been lost and God has found us through his grace and forgiveness in Jesus Christ. And so it all begins with humility. God wants us to admit we need him. He wants us to reach out to him for the test. He wants us to know that if we humble ourselves, he will be exalted. And when he is exalted, we'll do well on the test. Next, we are told to prepare for the test by casting all our anxiety on him because he cares for us. If you look up anxiety in the dictionary, it says that it's a feeling of fear, dread, and uneasiness. Anybody ever felt those? Fear, dread, and uneasiness. I would add that Anxiety causes us to be so restless that it steals our peace and it robs our hope. It tries to tell us that we can't pass the test. Anxiety tells us that it's impossible. Anxiety tries to confuse us about the goals. Anxiety tries to muddle the waters so that we don't know where to turn for help. When it says that we should cast our anxiety on him, it literally means that we take all that worry, all that concern, all that fear, and we literally throw it onto Jesus, onto his shoulders. You know the problem with us? 
We love to throw it on Jesus' shoulder and then go over there and get it, pick it up and take it back home with us. We're like, here, you can have my anxiety for a little while, but I'm going to pick it up Monday morning because I need it for the rest of the week. You know, I wouldn't know what to do without my concern and my worry and my fear. It says, cast all your anxiety on the Lord because what? He cares for you. Now, I want to tell you something. It's, if it's important to you, it's important to the Lord. Why? Because he cares for you. He cares about what makes you fearful. He cares about what makes you restless. He cares about what is stealing your joy and your peace. And he wants to be there for you in those tests. So we have to cast our anxiety before him. We have to say, here it is. Take it, Lord. I trust you even in the middle of this test. The third tip is, in order to get ready for the test, we have to be able to discipline ourselves to stay alert. By show of hands, how many of us fell asleep in a class? How many of us skipped class at some point? You see, you can't, you can't pass the test if you're not disciplined enough to stay awake. And pay attention. There are so many scriptures that tell us that we as Christians are supposed to be alert and prepared for the day of the Lord. That we have to be paying attention to what is going on in our lives and around us with other people in order to be able to see what God is doing. But if we continuously fall asleep at the wheel, we're going to crash. If we continuously miss the points that God is trying to teach us because we're not paying attention and we will fail. Staying alert is important for the Christian because it is one of the ways that we learn from the Holy Spirit. You know, the Holy Spirit is always trying to teach us how to be followers of Christ. It's trying to empower us to be able to do the right things for the right reason at the right time. But if we're not paying attention, we will miss those instructions. But being alert requires discipline. Discipline. And discipline means having a set of practices that we follow. And if you are in clergy circles, we call them spiritual disciplines. And they're not really that complicated. You're talking about the basics of the Christian faith. Read your Bible. Pray to God. Practice works of mercy and piety. Continue to be disciples of Jesus through everything you say and you do. Simple practices that each one of us must follow. So do we read our Bible? Do we pray? Do we look for people to share Jesus with during the week? Or do we only talk Jesus on Sunday? Do we only look for God when we have a problem? Or do we actually continue an ongoing conversation with God about our daily lives? You know, that, that part is convicting to us. Because sometimes we treat God more like Santa Claus. You know, when I need something, I'll go to him. The rest of the time, he's kind of up there on the shelf, and we don't go to him 
on our daily lives. But you have to go back to the basics and you have to have the discipline to exercise those spiritual disciplines on a regular basis. You know, athletes preparing for a, for a game have to go back to the fundamentals of the game and practice them over and over again. You know, if you're going to play a basketball game, you need to practice your dribbling. You need to practice your shooting. You need to practice your defensive stance. And if you don't practice those basics, it doesn't matter how much raw talent you have. You're going to get out there and make a fool of yourself. You need the basics. And the basics of the Christian faith is living out these spiritual disciplines on a regular basis. Why do we need that? Because the scripture says that the enemy is like a lion looking around for someone to devour. He is trying to make us fail. And he's looking for ways to distract us. He's looking for ways to keep us from praying, from reading our Bible, from doing all of the things that I described. He is trying to tell us that we can do it by ourselves. We don't need God. We can handle it. We're so smart. We're so clever. We're so able. And the reality is that at the end of the day, anybody who doesn't have Jesus is going to fail the test. Anybody who doesn't have Jesus on their corner will not get the grade to move on. The enemy is called our adversary. An adversary is someone who's a, who is our opponent. Someone who is not for us, but against us. When God is for us, the enemy stands against us. See, they don't get along. But what does the scripture say? Greater is he who is with us and he who is against us. We know that the enemy was Jesus' adversary throughout his life. Every time he was doing ministry, he tried to oppose God's plan for him. He tried to get in the way. He tried even to kill him on a cross. And God turned all of that around and resurrected him from the dead and gave him a victory where it looked like defeat. The enemy is going to oppose us at every turn because he wants us to fail. So what are we going to do in order to succeed in the time of trial? We need to remember who is with us. We need to humble ourselves to call on Jesus, and he will help us pass. Next, 1 Peter reminds us that we are not taking that test alone. There are Christians all over the world being tested right this very second. In fact, there are Christians in some places around the world that are being tested even more severely than we are. There are people that are hiding out in basements. There are people that's, that are smuggling the word of God a page at a time because if they get caught with the whole Bible, they would be killed instantly. There are people that are risking their very life right now to tell somebody that Jesus is the Savior of the world. And so this testing is not just ours, but it's a testing that is going to every Christian around the world. And it comes in all kinds of forms and shapes. We're not doing it alone. We're doing it in a community. When I was in high school many, many moons ago, I remember having study groups. Anybody remember study groups? Study groups were great 
Because you got together with a group of people from your class, and everybody compared notes so that if you missed something because you weren't alert, you picked it up from somebody else. And in the study group, it wasn't about one of you doing well. It was about everybody doing well. It was about us supporting each other and, and helping each other to succeed. And in the Christian faith, we are that way. We are supposed to be helping each other through the test. We're supposed to be helping each other that where somebody is lacking, we come and fill up. That where somebody needs some assistance, we are right there to step in and assist. It is helpful to know that we're in the same boat as many others who are being tested, that we're, we are not being tested alone. And we can learn from each other and prepare. First Peter is basically saying, you're all sharing in this testing. Resist the enemy. Stay steadfast in the faith. Remember to lean on each other as you prepare. And even as you're being tested, remember that there are others being tested alongside you. So this sounds pretty gloomy, right? All this testing, all this terrible stuff. So what's the good news? The good news is that at the other side of the test, there's glory. There's something wonderful. Anything good that we have in life often comes after testing. You had to take a driver's test and then you got your driver's license so you were able to drive. You got your degree so you could get your job. Testing produces something good. It moves you to another level to do something more. And without the testing, you can't enjoy those things. And in Christian living, it's the same way. Testing is good because he says that if we suffer with Christ, if we go through the testing just as Christ did, then we are going to be able to experience his eternal glory and that God himself will restore, support, strengthen, and establish us. That's a wonderful promise for after the test. He restores everything that the enemy has tried to steal from you. He restores everything that the enemy has tried to take from you throughout the test. He supports us when the enemy comes against us by being for us. He strengthens us by giving us his strength, which is much more superior than our strength. And finally, he establishes us by calling us his friends and making us his family. When God makes us heirs of salvation and declares that we are part of the family, he basically says, before the test has begun, you've already passed. Before the test has even commenced, you already are victorious over it. Now, some of us know what it means to go through a difficult test. For me, it was always chemistry. Man, I just couldn't do well on chemistry tests. And I had a friend who was going pre-med, and she always ruined it for the rest of us because she would get a really high grade and ruin the curve for everybody else. You know, they used to grade on a curve, which meant that the highest number was an A, and then they went down from there. And there would always be this huge gap between her and everybody else. You know, God doesn't grade on that curve. 
He's not comparing us to each other. The good news about our testing is that if we believe and trust Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we actually get attributed Jesus' grade at the time of the test. You know what he got? A hundred. Perfect score. Not one sin, not one mistake, not one flaw. Now, how many of us want a hundred? I want a hundred. I want to know before the test begins that the victory has already been won. And that's what we get in Jesus Christ. That is what we believe, that Jesus has already won the victory for us. But we're still going to be tested. And it's still going to be difficult along the way. And the enemy's still going to try to knock us off the path. So why should we worry about the test? Because as you're testing, somebody else is looking at you to see how you're going through the test. Somebody's looking at you to see if you're keeping the faith. Somebody else is looking at you to see if you really believe in Jesus or you believe in yourself. They're looking at you to see if you're going to live out what the Bible says. Or you just give it lip service. People are seeing how you test because how you test is your witness to the world. Are you cursing God in the middle of the test or are you praising him? Are you thanking God even through the suffering, knowing that joy comes in the morning? You know, sometimes we think we shouldn't be tested. We already accepted Jesus. Do you forget that Jesus himself, the Son of God, was tested? And he prepared for the test. He fasted 40 days before he was tempted in the wilderness. To prepare for what? For the test. When it was time for him to give himself up for us, he went in the Garden of Gethsemane before God and said, Can I skip the test? It's hard. God said, No, we got to go through the test because the victory comes through the test. And if God did not spare his own son going through testing, what makes us believe that we're not going to be tested or go through difficulties in life? The fact is that we need to anticipate that we will face the test, and therefore we need to prepare for it. There's no excuse for a Christian to be unprepared when it comes to the testings that we will face in life, the, the difficulties, the trials, and the temptations that we will face in life. It doesn't mean that it'll be easy. It doesn't mean that it won't hurt or be difficult at times. What it means is that when we go through that testing, we know that it's an open book test, so we have the Word of God to aid us. We know that we're not taking the test alone because we have a tutor in the Holy Spirit that continuously advises us. And we have Jesus, the curve breaker, who gives us a hundred on the test. I pray one day you get to graduate to heaven as you celebrate Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Let us pray. 
Heavenly Father, I just thank you. I thank you. I thank you. I thank you for even the test and the difficulties that we will face in life. I thank you because through our sufferings, we continue to grow in our faith. Through the trials, we continue to push ourselves to learn more about you and more about what it means to be followers of Jesus. And through everything that we face, we're able to give a witness to our belief and our trust in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. We ask you, O oh Lord, that whatever test or whatever trial we are facing, that we will remember to prepare for them by seeking to practice our spiritual disciplines, by continuing to be in close communication with you, and by trusting that you are able and willing to give us the victory. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for always being with us, for loving us, for caring about our needs. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. The altar is going to be open. If there's a test that you're going through, that you need help with, Jesus says, just come to me. Cast your anxiety upon me. Let me be your study partner. Let me help you through that test. The altar is open. If you've got a test that you're going through, I'm going to invite you to come forward and be prayed with. If you want to pray by yourself and talk to the Lord about it, you can do so between the green markers. If you come anywhere else in the altar, somebody from our prayer team will join you in praying for help in that test. <laughs>